Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago. I look to my right, and lo and behold, the great one, Doug Tonus, is on vacation getting some badly needed R&R, and I have the great Paulie G of NBA Index and the Chicago Bullseye on the bus today for a ride. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I have uh, big uh, podfather shoes to fill, but I am, uh, I'm excited to sit alongside Shotgun with you here on the bus, on the monstrosity. Great, great to hear, brother. <laughs> I mean, we had to get this show out. Uh, we, we attempted it earlier this week, and, and some uh, unfortunate errors on my part kept us from uh, all those incredible insights, but I think it's, it probably works out a little bit better since we were able to get all five preseason games in. And let's start out with that topic at hand. Paulie, what do you think of the Bulls preseason just completed? Who were the players that impressed you most, and who were the players that left something to be desired? Yeah, so... I would say it was underwhelming, um, but I, I, I want to preface this with preseason means zero generally. I, I don't want to take too much from preseason. People are trying to figure out uh, with their roles and they're trying to learn each other's games and, and new offenses are, are being you know installed and things like that. So I don't want to put too much into it. But overall, I was a little disappointed um, and, and probably not for the reasons you would think, um, but but I think the biggest thing was all this talk in the off season was about running the offense through Vooch, less ISO, more catch and shoot opportunities, um, and things like that. Uh, and I really didn't see that. I saw some pick and roll, short roll stuff with Vooch, uh, where he get the ball in the pocket and then make spray out, you know, passes from there, make plays from there. But generally, I didn't see him in the you know at the elbow or the high post with uh, with them running actions off the ball with cutters and flare outs and things like that. Um, and I saw you know unfortunately a lot of that that uh, fall back to ISO stuff, which uh, which you know that's not what I want to see. I was pleasantly surprised with some other things, but that was the biggest disappointment. I think they said they were going to do that. They said they were making a point of it. Billy kept emphasizing. Acme kept emphasizing they're going to do that this off season. And I didn't really see much of that. Well, Vooch was second on the team in the preseason in points per game with 13.8 in limited minutes. I, I thought he did. He had a fine preseason. I'm not one of the people that feel like this this effort to work the offense through Vooch is needed. In fact, I, I don't even – I find it laughable. I think there's three guys on the team at this point I'd rather see with the ball, <laughs> starting with Zach Levine, second Kobe White, and third would be DeMar DeRozan. And then whatever Vooch can get outside of that is fine with me. I want him to concentrate on sending solid picks, continuing to rebound at a high level on the defensive end, doing the best he can to protect the rim, which is not you know very good. But at least <laughs> try to get a little bit better in that in that effort. And then finally, what I want to see from Vooch is to just hit the offensive boards better, which he did in some games. I know he had five offensive boards earlier in this one preseason game mm -hmm. that I think might be against the Raptors. I can't remember which one specifically. I thought he's played pretty well though so far in this preseason. And the ceiling in this team, I've always said, will be 52. 53 games if he can return to form with six uh you know where he was when we acquired him with the orlando magic on six attempts per game shooting 40 percent plus from three and higher if he's able to re re regain that form which i have never understood why he's fallen so far from so far away from that then we're going to be in a really good spot but I, he's not magic johnson he's a fine passer and i think they've done a lot actually in the first few games 
just a lot of pick and rolls at the top is at the top of the key and getting him going downhill down the center of the court and making decisions from there. That's fine with me. I'm fine good. with that role. I'd rather see that. I'd rather see that than him in the post again with a with a big body next to him, you know, clogging up the lane. So I think they did do a little bit. They, I just yeah. I, I'm not a big fan in, in of this whole idea that we gotta make him the primary ball handler and decision maker. I think it's laughable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get it. I do. I understand. I just like you know what they were 24th in offense last year, uh, and Vooch wasn't getting the ball where he typically would get it. So obviously they got to make some changes. And and you know we're we're gonna talk about that. Some of the other positive changes that they made i think and i think the biggest the biggest plus really is the is the crashing the glass which you touched on and then some of the outside shooting now the the numbers probably don't back it up i think they finished 28th uh and you might have that number in front of you 28th and threes attempted this preseason um obviously not good but i don't have that in front of me but that sounds about right it sounds about right but the thing is is that they, they did shoot more threes than they did last year per game i think they were up at over 32 whereas before they were under 30 but i think more importantly zach only played two and a half games and really only like two games in terms of uh, you know typical minute uh production so zach's going to be shooting more threes than anyone so they actually shot way more threes than they they're that they typically would, which I was really, really glad to see, which stems from Billy's uh, emphasis on getting into the paint, which I'm sure you'd agree. Kobe, Io, Javon, yes. Patrick, to a lesser extent. Uh, but guys getting into the lane and then spraying out passes uh, for three, for three-pointers. I thought Kobe did an excellent job getting into the lane and showed tremendous growth in that aspect of his game in every aspect of his game but specifically that I thought he had an excellent preseason shot over 50% from the field he did not shoot the ball great from three a lot of that had to do with a one for seven performance in his last game I think he shot 31% from three but I expect him to be much higher that during the season I think his growth is exponential in every facet so I'm really high on him Patrick Williams is a guy though I think we do need to talk about yeah Patrick Williams was fourth in the team in uh, preseason minutes per game at 23.8. For the team um, in five preseason games, he wasn't in the top five in per-game stats for rebounds. He wasn't in the top five for assists. He wasn't in the top five for blocks. And he wasn't in the top five for steals. The only stat he was top five in was points per game. He was fifth on the team with 11 points per game. He shot 38.5%, 34.8% from three. He got to the line 1.6 times per game. There's nothing to celebrate about his performance in this preseason. I, I think I've read and heard a lot of people happy with his aggression in the last, the fifth game, even though he shot the ball horrible. Never seen so much celebration over an awful game, three for 12 from the field. You know, he'll be <laughs> starting solely because he, he's going to be starting solely because he was the fourth overall pick in the 2020 draft. He's being handed the spot because Acme invested their reputation in him. But if I was running the team, he would be leading the second unit just like he did in college. I keep hearing from certain fans last night that, uh, you know, he wasn't thinking. He just played basketball. And I couldn't disagree more. His natural instinct when he isn't thinking is to play with a low motor, is to be, uh, you know, just lethargic. He's thinking, I need to be more aggressive. The team and the coaching staff constantly have to tell this guy to play with aggression. He needs to be thinking about that. And I think you saw that a little bit more so than last night, but I've coached a lot of players like Patrick Williams. And what I found when you push them really hard to be aggressive in other areas of their game, it affects 
those areas where they're good at. And Patrick Williams is a good three-point shooter, but when he, if you're going to continue to push him to be more aggressive, it could have a negative impact on his three-point shooting like it did last night when he was, what, 0 for 7 from the field? So It was ugly. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think we just got to realize what he is and be happy with what he is. He's a good role player off the bench. Uh, that can hit threes and occasionally provide you with some good one-on-one defense. I don't think he's a good team defender. Let's just admit what he is and, and stop acting like putting him in a position that he shouldn't be in. It's a it's a bold statement. Uh, I, I'm not as down on him uh, as as you are. I, I, I do think that, and I know people hate it in Chicago to say it, but He's 22 years old and he's, he's averaging, uh, 10 and four, uh, in, in essentially three seasons, but really what was, was really more like two because he missed all the most of his second season. Um, I, I, I'm not that far down on him. He needs to improve. I see it a little differently though, in terms of the aggression. You can teach aggression. You can teach motor. That is a skill and people can get better at it. Um, some people have it in spades, like Joe Kim Noah, for example. He was nonstop. You know, the motor's always going. I think uh, our our guy Tory Craig is is a guy that the motor's always going. Um, but like for example, Andre Drummond, young Andre Drummond, did not have a motor like this. Uh, now to, this this Andre Drummond, all these years later, the guy he, he's a nonstop animal on the glass. Um, I think there are there are ways to institute. Uh, more aggression, a higher motor with Patrick Williams. He's young enough to adapt that. And I do think I, with the understanding that you feel like he's, this is who he is. Let's embrace that. I think there, there's a point to it, but at the same time, he has the ability to expand on, and they owe, they owe that to try to get every inch of talent out of him because it's dripping. I mean, he's got so much ability. I, 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 I hate to rest my laurels on potential, um, he hasn't, he hasn't delivered consistently yet. That's the biggest thing. I think he knows it too. In every interview, he always says, listen, I, I, I didn't come out strong. I didn't set hard picks. I didn't attack the paint. Um, and, and Billy will pull him. And I think it's good that Billy pulls him. That's, that's the best way for him to learn. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on the guy yet. I, I he could be, I, I do think he could be, you and I've talked about it before. What's the most, most important position in today's NBA? It's big wings, right? Everyone wants the apex wing. He's the closest we have to it. And I think if you can get a wing that can shoot 80% from, from the line and 40% from three, and it seems like a good dude with it, with his body, uh, you got to try to, you got to try to make it happen with him. I think, I think, I, think I, I don't think anybody's that. saying to give up on him. No one's saying that, but I, what, what we're saying, a certain segment of the population of the fan base is saying, let's be realistic, realistic about what a ceiling is. I don't think his ceiling is higher than Kobe White. I don't think his ceiling is higher than Io. I've seen more progress from those young players that are right in the same age group. Kobe White's 23 years old. Io's uh, 23 years old. They're right in the same age group. They're only a year or so older than him. Like, I've seen far, I've seen more from Julian Phillips in this preseason in terms of rim defense than I have from, from Patrick in, in, in over the past year. That's another area. Like, I heard, I heard Casey Johnson talk about this on, on the latest edition of the, of the Bulls Talk podcast, and mm-hmm. I agree with him 100%. When people are telling him to be more aggressive, I think he takes that sometimes in the wrong way, and I see him dribble into contested mid-range jumpers, like, this is what I should be doing with the ball. No, be more aggressive on the offensive boards. Be more aggressive on the defensive boards. In that Raptors game, you saw what I 
really bothers me about him, a, a perfect example in the first three minutes of the game where the Bulls were on the offensive end, the shot went up, Vooch tipped the ball and then got an offensive rebound. And from the time when he tipped it to when he collected that rebound, it was probably a good full two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. Vooch turns around, fires it out to half court, and we had a turnover because he hadn't established himself in the front court. He, he didn't hustle. That's a sign of a player right there. It's an inexcusable turnover, and it drives coaches nuts. And I know that he was you know later pulled early because of that turnover and other poor plays in that first quarter. It's like that turnover is, to me, the epitome of what he is so far. He's a low-motor guy who doesn't play hard, um, and, and, and it needs to change. And I'm not saying that it can't. I, I think he can play. It's not that hard to, to play harder. But there is also just in in a player's nature that a desire to mix it up, to be aggressive. I think that's very hard to teach. I think it's either you have it or you don't. And you could still be a good player and not have that because he shoots the ball very well. And there's tremendous value in that. But I just don't expect him to be like anywhere near an alpha or anywhere near a guy who's going to make an all-star team. He's a role player that should be, let's accept it, he's valuable, he's in the rotation, he's a guy coming off the bench. But we'll agree to disagree on this one. I'll start out with, finalize this, we've made our bed with three players that are much older, Zach, Damar, and obviously Vooch. And, you know, like, we can't just keep on acting like, well, we got time to wait for Patrick Williams. We don't have time. When you've made your bed with those three players, you need to maximize every game this season. So if he starts out in these poor fashions like he has so far in this preseason, make the move. Put Craig in the starting lineup. Put him off the bench. Get him in a role where he's been comfortable, where he played in college, where he played in high school, coming off the bench, and he'll be, he'll do fine in that role. Fair enough. Know. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, yeah, topic. sure, sure. I, one thing, it just I, there is a difference between playing hard and having the energy and having the motor, because I do think he plays hard. But I do think he's not, he has a very inconsistent motor. Paulie, he does not play hard. You can't you can't make that argument. You can't play twenty five minutes in, in a game and come away with two rebounds and say you're playing hard. I highlighted this in the Raptors game. He does not attack the offensive boards on the backside. I saw that from Craig. You saw him attack the boards, and that's why he gets more rebounds. That's why Kobe's a better rebounder because they play harder. They play with a big motor. He plays from three point line to three point line. Often you don't even see him get into the paint. He's not an aggressive high-motor player. He's a low-motor player. He jogs. I call him standstill P-Will. How can you say he plays hard compared to <laughs> Tory Craig or anywhere else? That's what he is. That's what he is. He's, he's a, he's a low-motor guy that you need to push. I, you need to push. I, yeah, he's not a self-starter. I don't, I don't see it. Listen, I, I, I get what you're saying, but you know what? What money do you think he's going to get next next this offseason? If he was this way, this role player with a ceiling of a of, of role player at best, he's going to – I mean, he's going to make twice as much money as Kobe just made in the offseason. So I, I don't – like, I think – I don't he, think so. I think people value him I don't quite so. a bit more. I mean, Kobe's getting, what, 12, 13 million a year depending on incentives. I think I think wait, wait, hold on a second. Well, yeah, well, it's not that's not twice, but I mean, yeah, I think he'll probably earn because of the position he plays and and all his potential and, and his and his physical gifts. He'll probably get anywhere from fifteen to twenty, but uh, and he's he puts get up another season like he did last years. year. He puts up another season like he did last year. He's not getting a, a dollar over twenty unless it's you know from a bad move from a. From the from, you know from the Charlotte Hornets, or team of that <laughs> but if he's, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm not I'm not about ready to pay that guy thirty million dollars. Oh no, God like no. if that's if that's if that's the discussion because unless he you know he takes another jump, but 
I don't think he will. I think what you saw in the preseason is preseason and what is what he's going to do. He's going to be the fifth guy in the team in scoring. He's going to be, you know, he'll be behind Levine, Vucevic, White, and DeRozan, and you know he'll be, he'll average right around 10, 11 points per game. That's what he does. So and, would, that, um, would you say you know, that? And everybody's was... going to blame Demar and everything else for his his they failings. Don't they don't know. Those guys don't know. They're going to blame Tamar for Patrick's failures. I mean, it's it's insane. But so, what in your opinion then? Who? What were the uh, the likes and dislikes of the of the preseason? Besides the other two Patrick? likes, well, I I kind of talked about Kobe. Which I, here here are the likes. I, I loved how Kobe looked. I would assume uh quietly had a phenomenal preseason. Mm-hmm. Shot over fifty percent from the field, forty percent from three. Oh, I mean, goodness gracious! If he if he even approaches that, I thought he was excellent on defensive end, aggression, playing with a high motor. Big I time. love Ion. Totally and agree. I think he was sold sold short, uh, and people really you know are sleeping on what w- what the potential is for Ion Sumo, and I think he's going to have a really nice third year here. Um, I love Carter and Craig. I think Caruso, the killer, sees coming off the bench. Oh, that yeah. bench unit's going to be fantastic. I, I really like a lot of what the Bulls did. On the perimeter uh, and, and on the margins, they're much better than they were. I mean, it's hard to describe how much of an improvement Craig is and and Carter over you know an injured Javante Green and a uh, you know Goran Dragic who tragic who shouldn't have even been in the league. Yeah. So like, it's a major upgrade on the edge there from your rotation players. Mm-hmm. That said, um, this problem of poor rim defense is still here. Like. I made this case that Julian Phillips, who led the team in the preseason in blocks, he's probably their best rim defender. Even now, I mean, this has been a problem since we sent Wendell Carter Jr. on the road and, uh, you know, away in that trade, and it still hasn't been addressed. We don't have a rim defender, and that's a major issue. We do have elite, we have the ability to play elite perimeter defense with some players like, uh, you know, Caruso and Carter and Craig. I think even Kobe White and Io can have that ability. Sure. Um, but it doesn't matter how good you are as a perimeter defender. You're always going to be susceptible to you know, losing your guy on the perimeter to a great player. It's just going to happen. Sure. And you better have somebody who can clean up that mess. The Bulls haven't had anyone to clean up that mess. It's been a layup line for years. And uh, you saw it against Minnesota. <laughs> it's been a layup line for years. That's that of Vucevic. Within six feet, when he's guarding somebody within six feet, those players are, are finishing at 66% field goal percentage is an abomination. It's an abomination. It's subpar, so, but at the same time, they were fifth in defense last year. That's, that's put in mildly. They were what? fifth in defense last year. Part of that is Vooch. Vooch is, pl- Vooch is playing 30-plus minutes a game. Uh, more of it, it's Caruso. More of it's Caruso and more of it's Billy Donovan. Right, but, but, at the yeah. same, but at the same time, someone has to man the paint. And that's Vooch. He's not a good shot blocker, never has been. Uh, but I think he's great positionally. And where he is not elite at shot blocking at all, he is elite at cleaning up the glass, one of the best defensive rebounders in the game. Uh, so the other team's only going to get one shot. And if he had any help <laughs> down there with a four that could actually rebound, they would never get any uh, second second chance second chance points. Uh, so so I think on that side side he's been pretty good. However, I, uh, I'll counter with you on just uh, on one point. We don't need a great rim protector. The Denver Nuggets just won the championship. They didn't have a great rim protector. Uh, the year before that, Golden State Warriors, they didn't have a great Hold rim protector. Hold on one second. Let's stop there. Gordon is 10 times a rim protector at the four position. That's why they won, because they had Gordon playing the four who can defend <laughs> the rim. No. And encounters and, and really covers up for the issues with Jokic in terms of rim protection. 
We don't have that. We don't have a four in Patrick Williams who defends the rim well. I still haven't figured out why. Aaron Gordon well, I think I have some ideas. Rim defender. He's not a, a, an elite he's, rim defender. I am. Great defender. He's a, absolutely a, a much better rim defender than anybody we have. Yeah, sure, sure. But they were not a great rim defending team. You're implying that the Bulls uh, are really hamstrung and they're not going to go anywhere. They're limited by their lack of rim protection. I don't think you necessarily need that in today's NBA. I, I, I really don't. I think the perimeter defense is much, much more important. Uh, and you've seen it. The Nuggets won the championship. They did not have an elite, an elite rim protector. The Golden State Warriors, for the last eight years, have won four championships. They never had an elite rim protector. The only teams that did actually. Toronto, Draymond Green is not a good protector of the rim. He's not you a don't good shot blocker. Him to be, he's not a good shot blocker. He's well, not a it, rim protector. That's a diff. No, 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 no. There's a difference between you don't define a rim protector as a shot blocker. It's a guy that defends in the paint. Basically, yeah. he protects the rim. Right. You, you don't have to necessarily sh- block shots, but you have to be an elite defender who doesn't give up a 66% uh, f- field goal percentage for players that are, he's guarding six feet and in, like uh, the rim presenter of the Chicago the Bulls, Vucevic uh, does. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's an so. embarrassing stat. I, I don't, embarrassing, I don't think disgusting he, stat. He's, one, of the, one of his positive traits is he's never going to sell out to try to get a, a, a blocked shot. I think he did a, a pretty good job this preseason in blocking shots and, and, and defending the rim. I think he did just fine. But no, Draymond was not a rim defender. He's not a rim protector. Either it was either was Marc Gasol, who was starting on the Toronto Raptors when they won the chip. In 2019, the only teams that did were the 2020 Lakers with AD and the 2021 Bucks with uh, Lopez and, and and Giannis. But for the last 10 years, there hasn't been like a Rudy Gobert that's won uh, that's won the championship. It's AD and it's and it's Lopez and Giannis. So I, I just the only thing is I'll, I'll say is that I don't think it's required to be elite uh, defensively in today's NBA or to go far in the playoffs in today's NBA with a, uh, a, a an elite rim protector. That's that's my. Answer. I'd counter, I, I'd counter that those two teams that you mentioned, Denver and Golden State, had really unique assets outside of that that really set them apart. In Golden State's case, exceptional shooters from the three point line, which created high efficiency sure. for their offense. Sure. And then Jokic, who's a otherworldly player in terms of passing and scoring, and he's one of the best ever. Right. You still look at the best teams in the league, unequivocally almost in every case, especially in the East, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Boston, they had elite rim defense. Uh, Boston. Elite. Boston, 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 Al Horford, and Rob Williams. Uh, are you kidding me? Rob Williams was not an elite rim defender. There's he was when he played, but he, he's only he played was. half the year. He was injured all the time. So I, I don't know. I mean, they're, how, how great were they defending the rim? When they what do you think about Embiid? Embiid is great. This is an issue. It still hasn't been addressed. I think they tried to address it with the acquisition of uh, Phillips, and so far so good. I'm but. pleased. Yeah, I was really. I I saw your tweet. I was very. I'm like Fred, right on it. He's probably our best rim protector. He's like six foot seven, uh, but man, he's exciting. I mean, they they got a steal with him falling into the second round. I was curious what you thought on him. Your thoughts on Phillips? Yeah, I mean, I've been really pleasantly surprised with him. Like I said, it. it I wish Williams was able to show some of those signs that Phillips has had so far in terms of like protecting the lane. And I think he's done a really good job of that. He's shown some really good instincts as a help defender and his shot has been good so far. So, Mm -hmm. you know, fingers crossed. 
I'm, I'm excited about him, but he's not going to be in the rotation. And rookies who are defensive first always have a disadvantage in their first, second, or year because they don't get calls from officials. They right. just don't. Right. And, you know, even though it doesn't matter how good he is defensively, he's not going to probably be an impact player, especially in the playoffs when, you know, the game slows down. It's a half-court game, and, and – and, you just don't get the breaks from the officials. Right. Rookies don't. So I don't think he has enough offense yet to, to break into the uh, starting rotation. I mean, into the rotation in general. But yeah, pleasantly surprised. Well, yeah, hopefully he develops into something. So uh, definitely looks like a good pick for a second rounder. Yeah, what I'm say excited. You? I'm, I'm excited about. I'm excited about the team, man. I, I'm excited about Phillips. I'm excited about Williams. I know well, we, he has his flaws, but I I am curious where you where you see them finishing up here in the east i mean the east probably got worse overall but they uh, the bulls only incrementally got better you know they didn't make, make any big moves so where do you see them falling i think they'll have 47 wins i think the ceiling is a little bit higher than most people i'd, I'd be willing to guess most people are, i think they're going to be right around 500 again i really love that co- Carter and Craig acquisitions. I think mm-hmm. Kobe's ascendancy and improvement's going to really make a massive difference this year. But I do feel like the team even has a higher higher ceiling, and it's going to be based on number one if Zach continues at the at the rate that he was playing, and it's encouraging to see how well he played in, in the preseason. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. If he continues down that you know post All Star game uh, kind of avenue that he was on, where he was averaging twenty seven points per game. I mean, he was playing at a very, very elite offensive level. Uh, He was almost shooting 50-40-90 pretty much from the All-Star game on. So if he keeps on playing at that level and brings his game up another spot, if we get progression from Kobe. But, like, always the most underrated one for me is Vooch. If Vooch can hit that three, again, at that – even if it's at 38%, 37%, makes all the difference in the world, pulls out bigs, creates space for Zach, creates space for Kobe. You know, pulling out those bigs out of the lane are so important, especially if you're playing a team like the Bucs who, you know, just sold out and kept Lopez in the lane, or even the Heat last year. It's the reason we lost, because they just had Bam Adebayo just sitting on a straight-line drive on Zach. Zach... Zach was hurt in that game not because he didn't he wasn't great. It was because they had Bam out of bio waiting for him every time he got he broke somebody down on the perimeter. So that doesn't happen if Vooch starts shooting the ball well from three. And he I thought he lost his confidence at the end of last year. He shot thirty one percent from three after the all star break it was horrible. Right. After starting the year pretty pretty good. I mean and then I kinda like quietly liked what I saw from him shooting the ball in the perimeter on the in in, in a preseason. So I don't know. If he, if he could somehow get that back, I think that would really even raise the ceiling to 50 or 51 games. I'm with them. you 100%. I, I think it's I could a great see point. them going three, four, five. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's a great I, point. Yeah, but they're likely going to be six, I bet. Yeah. What, what say you? As I've been, no, you're, you're spot on, Fred. I, as I've been going through the East right now, uh, I'm working on, you know, the Eastern conferences, you know, uh, going through team by team by team. You know, there are certain teams in the East that you know aren't going to be making the playoffs, like the Pistons, for example, and, and, and obviously the Wizards are tanking. Uh, but sure. I, the Bulls incrementally improved, um, and they were essentially a 500 team last year, and the year before they were 46 and whatever it was, 38. So uh, basically a 500 team the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I – and now they've they've added two important rotational pieces in Craig and Carter. So I, I do see them improving slight a bit, uh, uh, you know, slightly. Uh, I, I see them getting into that 44 to 45 range. I think Vegas has them at 37 and a half, and I'm taking the over big time on that. Um, but it's been really, really cool to break down the Bulls in comparison to the rest of the East because I think they are being undervalued right now. 
I think the Bulls are in that group of teams that are, I kind of put them all in the same kind of tier now where we have the clear two best teams in in the Eastern Conference now, obviously, are Milwaukee and Boston. Then there's a huge kind of drop-off. Right. But I think the Bulls are right in there with Philadelphia, Toronto, Atlanta, Orlando. So the the two teams that I think are kind of falling – from that group, I think I don't expect the Knicks. They didn't do anything to improve. I don't expect the Knicks. They lost Obi Toppin, who was a key rotation player for them. I expect them to fall, mm-hmm. and I also expect the Heat to fall. I, I don't see how you lost some some of the key players that were a big part of them beating the, the Chicago Bulls. Make Struce it to the finals. And, two starters and, and Vincent. Yes, Struce yes, and two Vincent starters. So like, wrong. oh, they didn't add anybody. They're just going to get better. Come on, and the Sixers are. It could be a complete tire fire. I mean, they still have a ton of talent, but who knows where they're going to be. What I'm concerned about are, are teams like the Indiana Pacers or Orlando Magic making a jump. So the Bulls are kind of like straddling those two teams where I think they were better last year. Well, clearly they were better than a team like the Pacers and and the Orlando Magic, though, Who and even the Detroit Pistons, who have a lot of young talent that if they start really developing, well, then they could be right there with us. And then also teams that are older, like the 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 Heat and, and Knicks, kind of collapsing or, or kind of getting worse. So yeah. it's an interesting spot, and uh, I think the Bulls could end up anywhere, honestly, from three to three to three to eleven. I know. <laughs> it's really, it's quite the range. Uh, you know, I, you, you're probably you're probably right uh, that it's. I, I am a little bit worried about the Magic. The offensively, their half court offense is going to really struggle. Um, and I'm going through each of these teams one one by one with uh, for NBA index, and I'm I'm seeing you know Cleveland improved. The Knicks, they didn't improve, but they didn't get worse uh, because I think you know they added Josh Hart in, in, last year at at the trade deadline, and that was a big piece for them. Um, the Wizards, the, you know, they're tanking. We know that Atlanta added added uh, Quinn Snyder, one of the better coaches in the league, so I expect them to improve. Brooklyn Nets, I don't expect I them to make too. any big jumps, really. Miami, they lost two important pieces, but they're the zombie heat, as Bill Simmons would say. Trademark Bill Simmons. Zombie heat. Whenever you think they're dead, that's when they're not dead. Um, and the Pacers improved. Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Uh, they added Obi Toppin. They had a great draft with Jairus Walker. I'm excited to see them. I actually think Cleveland will have the... If not the second, if not the best record in in the East, I think they're going to be up there in second or third because they improved, and I think they're well coached and they have a really really good squad. They have some depth too, so don't don't sleep on Agreed. Cleveland. Yeah, I always like Cleveland. Um, I really like a lot of the players on that team. They got a really, <laughs> really good team, and obviously with a really a superstar Mitchell Mitchell sure, and also obviously a couple of good young players, and uh, namely uh, Isaac Okoro. But let's um. As we wrap this up, we got to bring the bus in here because I do have a hard stop. Well, of course, uh, what, give me your prediction. What do you predict? What do you where do you think the Bulls are going to end up, and how many wins? Well, yeah, I I think they're going to end up in the forty four to forty five, forty four to forty six range in wins, um, which is much higher than a lot of the rest of the media seem to be. <laughs> higher than Vegas, certainly way higher than Vegas. Uh, but I I there's like there's teams in the East that there's a you know they're guaranteed wins uh, against, and so I I just um, I feel like they're going to be just fine. Um, they're not going to be a, a, you know, a title contending team, but I think they've improved, and I'm okay with that. They still have they have their pick uh, next year. They have young players that are going to continue to grow, so I'm excited to see them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, in the East, though, I, I could see them falling, getting somewhere between 
five and and seven somewhere in there that's where i think they'll finish i think they won't be able to touch you know boston cleveland milwaukee and those guys but i think they'll be right there with with the knicks um and with uh atlanta you know those two teams i think specifically so as we bring the bus in let's talk a little bit about chicago bullseye.com what you're doing there with the nba index yes sir give us a little 411 on your uh, on your work there i do this in my spare time so it's a good opportunity for me to just to share my uh you know <laughs> basketball debauchery from a, from a true nba junkie which i am um i i i'm gonna be spitting out content three to four times a week um content's gonna be trends and trade trade ideas depth charts uh battle rotational battles um when the draft comes around i'll have um a draft board i'll have mock drafts um i'm gonna have lists rankings uh predictions team outlooks over-unders um things from all across the league is not going to just be focused on on the bulls um i i have missed a bulls game in four years um uh, I, I watch as much as i can um to the detriment of uh my my physical and mental health of course but uh you know i can't help it this is why <laughs> uh but yeah man so i'm going to be putting out a lot of content about everything going on in the league uh w- weighted towards towards the bulls of course but everything you're going to get stuff on uh, around the league uh everything up to date Paulie G, I'm glad that we're resurrecting Chicago Bullseye. You'll be a big part of that, along with uh, the basketball historian Tim Gallagher and hopefully a, a long list of guests and friends. Um, really excited to be doing that, but let's take the bus in. Uh, until next time, let's go Bulls. Thanks, Fred. Go Bulls.